Hi, Dan Geis here, the voice of Titus Reed. Rachel was going to do this, but she's a little busy working on a surprise, which, fingers crossed, you should be able to enjoy one week from today. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to help make future episodes a reality, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash Rachel J. Wilkinson. So be kind to your ghouls, keep an eye out for the SI, and enjoy the show. The following episode contains adult content, violence, and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga, Episode 8. We're all mad here. Cardiff House. The massive estate sits beyond the borders of Port Saga on a 10-acre plot of wooded land. It was the former prince's home, before the beckoning called him. I wouldn't say Prince Reynolds was likable, but he was effective. As soon as the Anarchs won their first major U.S. victory in the mid-20th century and established California's Anarch Free State, he knew it was only a matter of time before they'd make their way east. He'd had decades to dig himself in like a tick. And to his credit, when the Bruja Theo Bell assassinated the child of the Ventru founder of the Camarilla at the Conclave of Prague in 2012, a lot of Anarchs thought this was their opportunity wrest control of Port Saga away from Reynolds. Reynolds was prepared and fortified. They couldn't get so much as a toehold. He then tasked guns like me and my coterie to clean up the rest. What he hadn't prepared for was the beckoning. I'm sure he held on for as long as he could, but I heard a couple of years after I left for Moonlight Bay, he disappeared up and left one night, abandoned his position, his fortune, his estate, and the city. It was chaos in the wake of his departure, and if there's anything elders of the Camarilla do not like, it's the unpredictability of chaos. So, the elders determined Port Saga could no longer be ruled by anyone who might succumb to the call. After coming to consensus, they installed Adelaide Hale, a much younger kindred who they viewed as more of an executive director, while they were the board and the power behind her throne. Over the last handful of years, most of that original group of elders has fallen victim to the beckoning like Reynolds. I have no idea if any of them are left. Supposedly Quill is still around, but from the sounds of it, no one has seen him in a while either. Hale might be the only person in the city who knows the answer to that. But in the unlikely event Reynolds does reappear one night, Prince Hale continues to maintain Cardiff House using it for Camry affairs of state and, apparently, as a prison. In the basement, beyond the wine cellar, is a solid concrete box. No windows, no furniture, no light, no air. Just a vault door and a pair of closed-circuit cameras. I could start punching my way through concrete, or try clawing through the door, but even if I had the muscle, how far would I get with a ghoul monitoring everything I do 24-7? Usher can't be that far away either. I'm holding my own, to my credit. I hold off the ghosts of my mind, hovering expectantly, waiting for the chance to terrify me. The whispers, the memories... 
that stink of damp mattress in Martha's basement. The rattle of chains every time any of us moved. My ankle itches from a shackle that isn't there. I know it isn't there. I know it. I know. I know. It's like a ring of mosquito bites you know you shouldn't scratch. Shouldn't? And I won't. A slot in the vault door slides open every so often and someone pushes a rat through it. Starving, I snatch the rat and bite into its tiny throat. It's a hardly satisfying snack, let alone a meal. They're doing this on purpose, keeping me underfed, giving me just enough to keep a frenzy at bay, but not enough to risk using my Malkavian abilities. But I still have you. I always have you. And you, me, in truth. Like the beat poet said, the only people for me are the mad ones. The ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And in the middle, you see the blue center light pop. How long have I been here? Do you know? Three nights, possibly, if we count the number of dead rats in the corner. I don't know. It's hard to say. Time works differently in the box. Dead in the box. Undead in the box. I am Schrodinger's vampire. I struggle to maintain focus. I go over the events of the case. I replay scenes in my mind. Will I ever get justice for Lawrence or has my unlife ended before it has a chance to begin? What if Lawrence was wrong? What if he was weak? Got himself killed, didn't he? Is this how I'll get myself killed? Having listened to Lawrence, having tried to do what he thought was right? Maybe instead of rolling up on glass with a piece of paper, I should have just put a parabellum round through his skull. Well, what would you have done? Do you have a theory? Maybe I should have just pulled the network. I create ink from the guts of the rats and sharpen a tiny femur into a point so I can use it to write the music I play. E, G, B, D, F. Every good boy does fine. I must not be good, or I'd be just fine, right? Maybe this is what I deserve. <laughs> does it count as going crazy if you're mad already? I've lost track of the rats, but I have plenty of ink. Alright, be honest with me. In your opinion, is it cliche for a vampire to play Mozart's Moonlight Sonata? Mozart would have made an excellent Malkavian. If we had Mozart, the Toridor would be the ones to lose their minds. Sonata number 14, 201 measures and 15 minutes long. I play it four times, it means an hour has passed. Anyone can learn the first movement. It's the third that separates the professionals from the hobbyists. I agree. Moonlight Sonata is cliché, as you say. A very sharp point. A C-sharp point. 
Here's a rat for your reward. I'm sorry, it's so minor. <laughs> what else do we know in C-sharp minor? What else do we know? What else do we know? What else do we know? Rachmaninoff. Prelude in C-sharp minor. Opus 3, number 2. Also known as The Bells of Moscow. Easily his most recognizable piece. The story is that one night he had a dream. The dream began with him walking into a funeral, and in the center of the room was a coffin. Slowly he approached the casket, wary of who had died. Who had he lost? Who would he lose? Was this a memory or a prediction? Every step by wary step, anxiety tightened its grip, squeezing him until he reached the coffin. And there, laying dead inside it, he saw himself. Confronted with his own inevitable demise, terror overwhelmed him. One day he would die, and nothing could stop it. Nothing holds back nature's demand that life must turn to dust. Thank God vampires exist, right? But even then, you still end up a pile of dust. Would I be going insane if I wasn't mad already? Clan Malkavian isn't insane. We're just ahead of the curve. Adapting and coping and surviving an already insane world. Billionaires shoot themselves into space while billions starve on Earth. This goddamn ankle. Am I eight again? Hear me. Listen to me. Every moment I play for you is a moment the kids are spared. I'll play. I'll play. I'll play for you to prove how much I love you. And I do. I still love you. Even after all these years. What am I going to do? You. I'll play for you if you help me. Anything you want to hear. Whatever will make you happy. Have I not kept you entertained and made you part of the story? Together, all threaded together and bundled in this madness network, you and me. Please help me. Yes, I am talking to you. Get me out of here. Please. Can he hear us? Yes. Though he is talking to others only I can hear. You have to beat time when you learn music. But he won't stand a beating. We're not on good terms anymore. He and me. Titus, it's Marlo. I'm here with Ezra. Can you hear me? It's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. Look for proof of what is real, Titus. Feel the texture of my hand. Hear the timbre of my voice. See the color 
of my eyes. Realize and remember. Remember? Remember and banish illusion. Ezra? I'm... How long? Four nights. Lawrence is dead. This I know. So is Aaron. This I know as well. I messed up. We all do from time to time. Why are you here? I am Diogenes with his lantern. I am here to save an honest man. I have seen the signs, read the portents. Your journey will not end here. You sure about that? Certain. Whoa. Titus. Hi, Marlo. You look... You look great. I see you found something to write with. That's true. I think I'm going to go give my report to Usher. Of course. What report? On the SI, we have a lead. St. Michael's Church. Father Francis, the Society of Leopold. Supposedly, he was part of the London Massacre. He's got a cell of six or so, but Constance already took out two of them. We're closing the net as we speak. That's great. I'm sorry you're not going to be there with us. I'd have liked to see you in action. I'm going to go talk to the sheriff now, Titus. Don't run off anywhere. You should have summoned me before accusing the kings. I didn't want you involved. And yet, I am involved and powerless to change the cause of your imprisonment. I'm sorry. I will advocate for you, of course. Remind the court of the pain endured by a lost sire and friend. Remind the court of good works performed. I went after a venture and missed, Ezra. I'm done. Always, always remember, when one door closes, another opens. Be safe, Titus. I wait for the door to lock behind him, but it doesn't. Seconds pass. Nothing. Still nothing. I'm going to go talk to the sheriff now, Titus. Don't run off anywhere. An invitation as she distracts Usher? When one door closes, another opens. As Ezra leaves the door open. Out of the basement, I make myself unseen. Hunger twists my stomach. I brace myself against the wall. My legs barely hold me. I only have a moment, maybe, before the ghoul on the other end of the camera figures out I'm gone and notifies the sheriff. I don't believe we have much Marlo has pulled Usher into a different part of the house, giving me a chance to slip out the side and disappear into the dark. I venture into the woods surrounding Cardiff House and pick up my pace. No phone, no beeper, no watch, no weapon. I'm 12 again, running with Frankie. He's carrying Mike, while I have Jenny in Robin's hands. 
leading them along, running for our lives, cutting our feet on rocks and cheeks on branches. I need to feed. I need to go somewhere no one will expect me to be. I don't stop at the first house or the second. It's nine houses before one shows promise. Single story, isolated, Dodge Charger in the driveway, late 80s at best. Not the kind of car you use to take kids to school. Through a window, there's the telltale flicker of a television. I sneak up, glance through, see a guy, alone, watching some late night show. As he laughs, I pop the window. As he laughs again, I enter and make my approach. Normally I'd wait for him to sleep, but I simply don't have the time. The Charger drives like a dream. I know you're just getting started in your unlife, but eventually, if you haven't already been assigned to one, you're going to throw in with a coterie. When I was ready to be on my own, there were three other neonates about my age, Aaron, Sasha, and Sparrow. So Prince Reynolds threw us together, told us to work as a team and go murder some anarchs, and we obliged. During those early years, the four of us lived together, fed together, occasionally slept together. Not gonna lie, it was a lot of fun and games and running around with superpowers. So let me just say this, because a lot of older, especially Camarilla, vampires are gonna stick their nose up at it, but young as you are, it is a-okay to have a good time parkouring across the city. I don't know what made these crusty old elders dull as doornails, but all they appear to want to do is sit in low-lit rooms staring at each other while sniffing the aroma of tea. Listen, I get it. You want to be somebody. You want to be a name people recognize. You want a reputation, clout, power. You may even want other kindred to think you're dangerous. All of that will come in time. For now, savor the passion and ferocity of your first few years. And I say this because the moment your sire says you're on your own, and you are recognized as a neonate within the Camarilla with all the rights and privileges therein, there will be some 100-year-old kindred who sees themselves in you and insists on having you turn out just like them. I've never met a vampire who doesn't love to see themselves reflected in everything they touch. Every one of us is a vainglorious fuckwit. But back to my point. Don't try to lone wolf it. Commit to your coterie. Be there for them, even when it feels like they haven't been there for you. Because one night, they will come through for you. Even if it's from beyond the grave. Aaron's moved the furniture around and redecorated some. But the place is nearly the same as when the coterie left it. We lucked out with Sparrow. He was handy as fuck and a guy who liked to use his hands. Do you know what he liked to do to pass the time? Ikea hacking. I didn't realize it was a thing until I'd met him. And you might laugh thinking this is the most unvampire thing to be into. But he turned a bookshelf into a mudroom bench. Which is useful when you come home covered in the blood of your enemies. He used a towel rack to make a charging station. 
Great for keeping your burners organized. And he transformed a kitchen island into a weapons locker. But the thing he was most proud of was when he turned a cheese grater into a lamp. Simpler times. Where are you? He carved out secret stashes for all of us. And I wonder if Aaron was still using hers. Bingo. One Beretta 92, one box of custom 9mm Dragon's Breath rounds, one roll of bills, looks like about five grand, and a folded piece of paper with a list of names on it. Dates, locations, Keisha Troy, Marcus Pratt, Danny Takashi. We've heard these names before, right? Aren't they the Thin Bloods tags mentioned? The ones you said Aaron killed? But why keep a list? Was it guilt? Over a couple of duskborn? And what is this? The smell of dried blood practically knocks me over. A 90s grunge outfit. The one Aaron wore to the party. If she confessed, why did she hide her clothes from that night? Was it instinct? Or was it something darker? Like wanting to keep the last of Maya with her? <sighs> what the? Laying in the bottom of the garbage bag is a platinum wig, styled precisely like the one I pulled out of the storm drain. If, if there are two wigs, does this mean that there are two errands? And if former Sheriff Everhart is who brought her back here that night, then I have some questions for Rebel. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga. Created by Rachel J. Wilkinson, with voice performances by Day in Geist, Ryan Omega, and Rachel J. Wilkinson. Portions of this podcast are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com. <laughs>